Hello, thanks very much for choosing to listen to this recording, the first in a new series that we're calling Researcher Development Audio. My name is Steve Joy, I'm the Head of Researcher Development, and in this recording I interview Katie Darcy on the topic of procrastination. Katie's been working with PhDs and postdocs for almost 15 years. She's worked at Cambridge, Imperial, the Institute for Cancer Research, and lots of other universities in the UK and Europe. And procrastination is one of her specialist topics. So I know that you're going to find some of her advice in here useful. The reason why we picked this topic is that lots of people are telling us that while they're working from home, they're finding it difficult to keep focused and to keep productive. I understand that for loads of people, the biggest challenges of working from home relate to being cut off from the lab, not having access to equipment that you need, or perhaps childcare and homeschooling, or maybe even just, you know, your internet connection and the physical space itself. But for those people who do have the space, do have the time, do have the opportunity to work, many are reporting that they're still finding it difficult to keep focused, to prioritise to overcome the distractions inherent in not being in one's normal working environment. So I hope you find the discussion useful. Keep an eye out for the slide at the end, which gives details of all the books that Katie references as we go through. And do check back for further researcher development audio recordings in the days and weeks to come. Hi, Katie, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Steve. I wanted to start before we get into what you were planning to say about procrastination and the kinds of stuff that you normally talk about with researchers. I wanted to start by asking you a question about coronavirus and about the current lockdown. Do you think procrastination is uh, significantly more of a challenge when we're working from home than it would otherwise be? I think that depends on um, how we look at it. I think probably if you were a procrastinator before, Um, You might be frustrated to find that you're still a procrastinator, even when you're locked down inside your house. Um, But I think there's some things that definitely are at play here, which are interesting to look at. So um, one of the things is to look at, uh, uh, Fogg writes about this um, in a book he wrote called Tiny Habits, where he talks about that the environment is a very powerful thing in order to change habits. And ultimately, when we look at procrastination, what we look at is habit change of changing the habit of procrastinating over a certain task. Um, and he talks about that the, the environment is very powerful to help us to change it, to um, enable us to actually stop procrastinating and do an activity. Now, the problem with that is that in lockdown, what we might be seeing is that actually it's exasperating that issue of because you can't change your environment every day, you can't actually do much about it. So, um, so you can't change the people that you're with, you can't change uh, the physical space, and you can't change the environment. So all of a sudden, um, we are immediately um, removed from being able to put those factors in. Now, the positive thing is that um, when Fogg writes about it in his book, he also talks about that although the environment is a very powerful vehicle for change, actually, um, it's not easy for us, even if we weren't in lockdown, to change our jobs, to change our colleagues, to uh, get divorced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so actually what he then goes on to in the book to talk about in terms of what we, what are easier, more incremental changes that can be made um, are things that we can do whilst we're in lockdown, are things that we can do whilst we're at home. But um, Uh, Funny enough, my mum said the other day that um, she'd been trying to do more yoga and a bit more exercise. And she said, I always thought it was work that got in the way. Um, But now I'm in lockdown. I realise that I think the issue might just be me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, I'm very much inclined to agree with that. <laughs> Thinking more generally, um, and based on you know all your experience of uh, delivering sessions like this, uh, this is a big question, but why do you think people procrastinate? I think if you, if you look through the literature, if you look at um, books that people have written on procrastination, it's just a myriad of factors. So it can be anything from um, that you don't like the task that you're trying to do. So you just actually don't have the motivation to do that task. Um, it might be about, um, can even be things, for example, that we're, we're procrastinating our defiance because someone's asked us to do a task that we don't want to do. So actually what we're trying to do is sort of um, instate our power and will by not doing it and procrastinating over it. Um, it can be because we don't know how to do the task. So there's an ability factor in there. Um, it can be many different factors. But I think what's a really good starting point if you're, if you're joining into this conversation because you procrastinate I think the very first starting point is looking at why do you think you procrastinate? So pick one task that you're currently not doing and you keep putting on the back burner, but you would like to get done and really analyze why am I procrastinating over this thing? What is it that um, gets in the way? Is it things like the fact that I'm currently in lockdown and my family are always with me so I can't physically get this activity done? Is it that I really want to do it but I just don't really like the task? It's something that um, isn't enjoyable to me. Um, or is it something else? But to be very analytical about what it is that's getting in that way. You and I know from other courses that we've both trained and looked at that often going to the feeling that's associated to the activity is a really um, nice way of discovering why something is happening, that our emotions pretty much tell most of the story. So looking at when you think about doing that activity, what is it that bubbles up? Is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it apathy? Um, what is it? And then looking at what, why that emotion is there and that might unlock for you what might be happening. So let's say, for example, that somebody wants to be exercising is a really obvious one to talk about, that they want to be exercising, but they're not, and they keep procrastinating over it. And then if we look at the exercise, maybe actually it might be, um, so even things really powerful, like things to do with um, sort of disappointment in ourselves or shame that we're currently unfit. Um, and that that's actually one of the stumbling blocks for getting in the way. Um, just as an aside, Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> We're hey, go work on these links, but um, I think it's really noticeable to me from all the years working with researchers. Actually, what you say about like recognizing that emotional component, actually, yeah. uh, just for ourselves privately, being prepared to really acknowledge sometimes it might be shame or self doubt or um, and uh, disappointment. And you know, while we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about the email sitting in my inbox or the paper that I'm supposed to be reviewing that I've been putting off because. I don't have a great deal of enthusiasm. It's more of a sense of kind of duty, and that of that can also you know, recognizing that there's 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 less motivation there can be really powerful. I think. Mm, yeah, uh, we'll we'll come on to things like prioritization as well, but also what we're finding in our current environments of being in lockdown is is that you know we're we're at the mercy of so many things of, of the fridge of um, being able to call someone of Netflix you know the, <laughs> when we're in our work environment we 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 block those things out um purposefully really so that we can work 
And so trying to work in this environment, actually all what you've actually done is kind of flooded your system with all of these really tempting things that are basically saying, I am way more fun than that thing that you wanted to be doing. Um, and they're there to get in the way. So that's an enormous amount of willpower that's required to overcome that actually. And I think recognizing that, you know, drawing on one's willpower takes a kind of toll, right? That is this yeah. an energy that's required there. And that, that I think one of the things that a lot of people have been reporting to me is that they're more tired than they expected to be. Yeah. I think some of that is, it's the emotional, mental energy of kind of, you know, of managing one's willpower amongst other factors. Yeah. And, and responding to change, of course, as well. Yeah. I wonder if I could ask you a slightly different question. Do you think it's true that some people are just more likely to procrastinate than others is, is it a personality thing oh I don't think I can answer this sort of uh, as a yes or a no because I I don't honestly know um one thing I was really compelled by which I thought was really useful is um in Atomic Habits by James Clear um we'll reference all of the books as we go through and also um we'll give you the bibliography at the end so you can um pick up on any of these points but one of the things I thought was really fascinating um, in his book is he talks about that the procrastination slash habit change isn't about you as a person it's not that you fundamentally can't do this thing it's that you're you don't have the correct system in place to be able to do this thing which echoes back to what we were just talking about about all the cues and things that help us carry out a task um, is that it's just a it's just a poor system that you've got for this task that you're trying to achieve. And so if we look at it as a system problem, what that does is externalize it. So it stops being about us and it stops being this kind of shame component that we can grab hold of. Um, and it becomes a problem that we need to tackle. And um, it might be that we don't know how to tackle this issue and we need someone else to help us to tell us how to do it better. Um, but I think that externalization is also really powerful because what it stops being is I am a procrastinator because that in itself becomes an identity. And then once that becomes your identity, it's, it's really um, fixed. And then you are constantly battling against that demon that's always saying, but you always procrastinate, you always procrastinate. You're just not someone that gets on with things. Um, and what we really want to do is change that identity, is to, um, again, look at what stories do we tell ourselves about this certain task or about procrastination as a whole? Is it that we say, I am that person, I am a procrastinator? Or is it that we say, you know, but what if I try and then I fail? Then what do I do? You know, all of those sorts of dialogues that come in. So in James Clear's one where he externalizes it into being a system problem, not a you problem, I think that's really um, useful. And as we know from things like um, learned helplessness and resilient responses to things, it's always good to think about fix the problem, not the person. Mm. Um, so the other thing is, is that all of us, unless we really are failing at everything in our lives which we're not if you're able to feed yourself and you're able to get up in the morning or even get up at some point during the day you're already <laughs> succeeding at tasks which means that what procrastination is is an issue with a certain task not an issue with all tasks you have enormous enormous amounts of motivation and ability for loads of tasks throughout your day it's just when we think about procrastination, it's certain tasks that we are procrastinating about. And what we have to look at, and it's what you and I will dis discuss here, is why do certain tasks have this issue for us? Why are we not able to just get on with them?
I love what you said there about the stories that we tell. And I think and that's something I know is a theme in a lot of the work you do. It's something I always find really interesting. But so perhaps, you know, it's not that some people are naturally more likely to procrastinate than others, but there are some people who've settled into a, a habit of telling themselves the story that they procrastinate. Um, yeah, and the other thing is, is that, sorry, Steve, and the other thing is, is that you get a feedback loop from that, of that if you tell yourself you're a procrastinator and that you procrastinate over those things, what you also then do is communicate that to other people. And what they do is then make adjustments accordingly for you which actually just compound the problem <laughs> um i mean you and i talk about this stuff but we both know that we're both procrastinators <laughs> we <laughs> procrastinate on all sorts of things um so it's quite easy to sort of do that reflective thing and say yeah actually and then it's unfair that i force people to make allowances for me because i've become this identity of that i'm going to procrastinate over that thing so you better check in because otherwise like i'm not going to have got it done yeah, that's really interesting and very, very true. <laughs> I, guess we should, I guess we should move on then to think, you know, you've referenced already some of, the, some of the books on this topic that you're drawing on. Can we move to thinking about what advice you would give researchers working from home at the moment who might be having some challenges with procrastination? Yeah, um, so this is um, a bit out there as a task to start things off, but along with thinking about why you might be procrastinating, um, there is a book called The Kindness Method, which is um, kind of like a coaching book, but there's a task right at the beginning of it that I absolutely love, because I think in procrastination it's really helpful to help us deal with um, how we manage our perception of the thing that we're trying to do, this task. And um, what it talks about is that you write yourself a letter at the beginning, um, of the whole process and what you do is write it from the perspective of the worst situation you can be in with your procrastination and you write it to yourself and you date it and you time it and then what you go on to talk about is so dear Katie um, it's this date this time I'm in lockdown and I've decided that I need a new approach because when I procrastinate and then you think about the worst time that you have procrastinated thing and what actually that effect is. And it is a bit doom and gloom, but it's very powerful because one of the other things that comes in with procrastination is when we're playing with this element of time is we always think, oh, it'll be fine. It will be fine. And also when someone calls us on it, um, what happens is we think, yeah, but okay, it was really bad on that day, but today I don't feel so bad about it. So again, it's fine. And this letter is sort of a call to arms really to say, you need to think about the worst case and then think about actually why it is that you're buying into this. And again, you and I do lots of work with values. It really ties into that values. So I'm tired of disappointing people. I'm tired of people constantly expecting me to let them down. Or um, if it's something sort of health related, um, I don't want to think about the impact of my long-term health on this, or I don't want to have that day again where I was in the doctor's office about X, you know? Um, and so it needs to be a, a, a real awakening of this is my letter to myself of why I'm doing this thing. And then if you ever need a reminder of why you're doing it, if sort of um, your motivation is waning, you can go back to that letter and reread it again. In the and book, it, of, sorry. It's interesting, isn't it, that there's research that talks about 
motivation which actually leads to positive change really has to be intrinsic that yeah. there, there might be external factors like someone's way there's a deadline you know your your principal investigator your supervisor is expecting something or you've got a student expecting something and and of course those factors are important and we have a professional responsibility but actually the thing that really leads to kind of positive change is, is always an intrinsic motivation and it sounds like that the letter you're describing is really tapping into something which is kind of internal to you rather than purely thinking about extrinsic factors like deadlines and other people's expectations yeah because the other thing that's um it, it, you're exactly right um again it's repeated throughout loads of the books that you read about procrastination is is about that it has to be to do with you it can't even though the reflection might be from other people such as their disappointment it can't be that someone has just told you to do this thing it has to be a driver for you and that's that's the real um, vehicle of change is is you saying, I don't want to be in this position again or I don't want to um, have come out of lockdown and still not have done that thing and have to explain to everybody what I've been doing, <laughs> you know, um, which I can talk them through all the box sets of Netflix. But, uh, but I can't <laughs> tell them that I responded to that email finally or whatever it might be. So, um, so the, the kindness method is, is, is sort of connecting you then with that kind of, you know, a, 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 a more honest reflection on where your procrastination might be causing problems, but also what your, where your values are and what your motivation to make that change is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically um, the worst case scenario of the worst day you've had when you've thought, I really wish this was different. Um, and reminding you of that and, and, you know, putting something in writing is a very concrete way of anchoring that and saying, if you need the reminder, read that letter again that you wrote to yourself when you said, I don't want to be in that position again. Um, I think one of the ones they talk about in the book, or if not, is, uh, is where they talk about, uh, things like saving money, procrastinating on saving money or uh, setting up a savings account. And, uh, and in it, it might be, I, I don't want to be that person at the till whose card got declined again. You know, uh, it's like so it is that sort of like those real haunting moments that we all have about numerous things in our life where it's like, yeah, I don't want to be that person again. I don't want to be in that situation and having that reminder because otherwise you'll talk yourself out of it, um, which leads us on really to the concept of time is a, is a really big factor in procrastination. And um, James Clear again in Atomic Hammock. Atomic Habits puts it um, really beautifully where he talks about sort of it's the present you versus the future you and it's very hard for us to imagine the future you um, and uh, we know good friends of ours who say uh, for example when I procrastinate about things you know that's a problem for future Katie and they're absolutely right you're just putting off putting off the inevitable of that you're gonna have to deal with it sometime but we're really bad at dealing with long-term goals because there is no instant payoff. So what we're effectively being asked to do is to buy into something that will eventually pay off. But right now we can't see the fruits of that labor. Whereas all the things that often we distract ourselves with are really easy and lovely. So, um, so again, as a really sort of superficial example, uh, we eat the donut now because it tastes delicious and it's beautiful and it's here. Um, but we don't get fit because the um, long-term payoff of getting fit is that you will only look better, feel better, have the health benefits after you've put in so many weeks of hard work. And that's really hard for us to manage. If I, you know, jump on the treadmill and once I get off, I do not have a six pack. I am not motivated to get on the, the treadmill the following day. So what we have to try and do is break it down into far more manageable amounts and to say, okay, um 
how do we bring that future element into the present and make it much more easy? Again, we can talk about um, mechanisms for doing that. I think one of the things that's really noticeable to me is a kind of time management, project management strategy I picked up years ago was around identifying high return activities. So, you know, things like which take more time and take more investment and then your kind of lower return activities, which um, so a high return activity for me would be, um, you know, further research on um, a project I'm engaged in to do with, you know, what to use your 10 days professional development time for and what a development framework for, for postdoctoral research staff ought to look like. That's a big project. It's going to take a lot of time. And then I've got my low return activities, which are the things which we all spend so much time on, you know, dealing with emails, responding to students, um, writing up minutes from meetings, and then also, so those, um, what I find challenging is the lure of doing those small tasks is proportionally quite great because it's satisfying to clear the inbox. But it means then that I might have spent most of the day um, clearing the inbox and I'll, I might feel temporarily good about having done that, but actually I haven't engaged with that bigger project. And I certainly find the same things true with writing. I am a much more comfortable editor than I am actual kind of, drafter you know producer of text so my, my procrastination is is to still do something but what I'm doing is editing something I've already written rather than focusing on what needs doing which is getting words on the page yeah so one of the things that you've touched on there is actually um about then how how we manage that time because ultimately what you're saying is 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 this, it's this big open-ended large-scale project where you've got this big end goal but you can't see that in the moment so one of the other things that we see throughout all of the things about procrastination and habit change is about breaking that time down. So um, your desire for closure is fulfilled, right? Because when you've um, replied to all of your emails and you shut that down, you have that brilliant sense of that is done. That is done. Um, and so what, what we're also looking at is with these long term goals that are really important, such as a big project, um, writing a paper, um, a health consideration is you have to break it down so that you get the little pockets of closure. And that's by making the task tiny and manageable and doable instantly. Um, Can you say a bit more about how people might go about that? Yeah, so, um, so again, James Clear writes about this a lot in Atomic Habits, which I love. Um, but actually, Fogg's one is really lovely um, in his um, Tiny Habits because the whole title of the book hints at it is to sort of give the game away is he talks about that it's such a tiny task that you're going to do just to create the habit don't worry about the end goal right now you're creating the habit of working towards that end goal but what we have to do in the first instance is make it so small that you can't fail so for example um if it was about writing a paper let's say um it's not going to be anything big about that paper it might be that you're going to write 50 words and even if that feels unmanageable, okay, then it's 10, right? And you don't worry about the fact that it's small in the first instance, because what we're going to try to do is to make sure that we can achieve that goal, let's say every day, just for argument's sake, or let's say every working day, right? Monday to Friday, you're going to write 10 words on that paper every day, um, and then it's done. But you, but you absolutely commit to that. And you might think, what's the point of writing 10 words? I'm never going to get it done. But it, you might write more words than that one day, 
but then let's say you wrote more words one day and then the next day you might be demotivated because you think oh but yesterday I wrote like 500 words and today I've got nothing but you say okay so I go back to the 10 I'm going to write 10 words because that's what I promised to and then over time that habit just builds and builds and builds and then that becomes your identity I am someone that sits down to write every day and I am writing this paper every day even if it's only 10 words and then we can build up the ability of being able to write more or to be to write more consistently which is what we see with um like senior academics right is is that they still possibly hate writing papers but they just get really good at getting on with it because they know they have to get on with it um and so it's, it's actually just about keep attacking it keep attacking it and don't worry about it being perfect and the perfectionism that you were referring to there is really interesting to me because I think um, I, I certainly experienced this myself and from talking to uh, other researchers, I, I certainly know there are some other people out there who, who are like this, which is that I might invest a lot of time and effort in committing to a new plan or a new, you know, or, or wanting to form a habit and I'll map it all out. And the first day that I don't meet that target or exactly fulfill what I envisioned I would fulfill I decide that the whole plan is bust and I often just kind of you know so um uh exercise is a good example there but also for me around I'm really consciously trying to develop better habits around writing at the moment and um, because it's yeah. it's not it, it's sort of become less important to me in the last few years because of the way my work has changed and I find you know the, the first day I don't fulfill that um, can make me think the whole plan was a bad idea. But I love that tiny habits thing about, well, okay, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Then, you know, let's go back to just write 10 words or 50 or, you know, 500, whatever it might be. I think there's something powerful in that. Like go back to something that is manageable and don't abandon the whole yeah. project, as it were. Exactly. So, for example, um, I, I think things with fitness are just really easy to talk about as mechanisms. But, you know, if, if you're someone that can't do a push-up, right, don't try and do 10 push-ups a day. Do one push-up a day, right? Do one push-up a day, and that's the only push-up you're going to have to do. But after time, you'll get in the habit of doing those push-ups at probably a certain time of day, and you'll get used to doing them. And also, if you even just did one a day, eventually you will get better at it. And then you might think, actually, today, I really think I can do two. Um, and then you'll just build up and build up. That's how we do anything. But it's that it's that initial period. Um, again, James Clear talks about this um, whole motivational hump that we have. Um, and going back to your first question about procrastination, are, are some people more, uh, are bigger procrastinators than others? If we look at it in terms of motivation, um, again, what he talks about is nobody, nobody loves that beginning right? It's always <laughs> hard. It's always hard. Um, it's just that some people are much better at just getting on with it. And that's because they have a good system. But that hump, that initial starting phase is always the most painful part of a project or a task is if it's fitness, it's actually putting your gym kit on and getting like into the position to do the workout. That's the hardest bit. Once you're into it, you've at least done something. Same with writing. It's opening the laptop. It's actually um, having the document open and beginning to type. It's always the beginning. That's that, that's that little hump that you've got to get over. But then once you're over it, you tend to find that even if, even if sort of there is a decline in motivation or ability along the way, actually that bit's easier than that hump ever was. And uh, another example for me would be, you know, online teaching, you know, you and I, having a go at this today just you know having had a bit of a conversation about it is well you know it's the getting started was uh a bit off-putting actually thinking we don't have much experience of this kind of you know online online learning kind of setup 
Well, that's because going back again to the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about identifiers for why procrastinate. Perfectionism is a massive procrastination issue. Um, and um, especially in an academic environment, there's a lot of perfectionism and that really gets in the way as a stumbling block. And that's also where people get very frustrated, where they see people who they may consider to not be as um, skilled or able as them but who are progressing quicker and that's because they've not got the perfection mindset to step in and say oh it's not quite good enough so actually we're not going to bother um it's really it's, hard isn't it you know in, in, yeah. in kind of culture where success is determined by uh, in part your ability to refine out errors in an experiment or you know in an analysis to be rigorous to be uh, to be robust to be able to withstand scrutiny it's so easy for that to for us to slip into applying a kind of perfectionist mindset to ourselves Joe Wicks's PE is a perfect example of someone succeeding enormously without a perfect setup. Um, I've tuned in for a few times. Uh, his daughter runs in on some days. Uh, his um, speakers all connect to his headphone on another day. And he's trying to quickly, you know, problem solve and firefight in real time whilst having millions of people watching him. You know, and I just I really admire it because I think that is someone who is just getting on with it and succeeding. And it's growing and he's getting better and he's actually doing that live, right? Um, and it's, it's really about us <laughs> You know, we're talking about things where there's, there's not that big an audience. Um, but but we, it's just a case of getting on with it and not worrying about it being perfect. So I wonder, what, are there any other particular kind of tips or hacks that you think mm. we should be aware of? Yeah, so um, another one. So to go with um, making small amounts of time. So uh, time is a big one of um, setting a timer. So uh, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, or uh, something like two reps of something or so many words. Rowena Murray also talks about this in writing of, of having a word count to work to because our minds really can help with that. And again, you get that closure at the end once you've succeeded. But the other one that's really key off the back of that is about habit stacking. So like I said at the beginning, you already have things that you do day in, day out, and they are part of your personality and who you are and what you do. And one of the problems with new things that we're trying to work on, and again, a block that causes um, procrastination is that we, we don't have the cue. We don't have a cue to carry out that task because it isn't part of our daily life yet. Um, so for example, um, it might be that every morning, hopefully you get up and you clean your teeth um, and you might want to floss your teeth. So rather than thinking about flossing all of your teeth, you might floss one teeth, making it very, very doable. So it's not a long task, but you're going to do it immediately after you've cleaned your teeth because you clean teeth every day already. Um, we were talking just before this and you were talking about your emails, um, for example. And, and I said, well, one of those issues is, is that you probably had a lot of cues to be able to stack replying to your emails to. So uh for example if you work in a department where there used to be a coffee time you might have wanted to respond to all of your emails before coffee time so those two events are connected or it might be that after coffee time you go and reply to all of your emails so what you have to do is think about something that you currently do every day that then you're going to stack this new habit onto so it might be that after you've cleaned your teeth you're going to write 10 words or it might be that after you've cleaned your teeth you're going to go and uh, do one push-up okay so habit stacking is also a really powerful thing you always need a reminder to carry out an action you need a prompt um 
And again, um, Fogg writes about this um, where he talks about a little model that he has is this we have the environment change, which he talks about can be quite hard to um, manipulate. And then he talks about, about behavioral change and behavior comes about as a little equation he's got, which is behavior equals motivation plus ability plus prompt. And so what we're talking about with this habit stacking is the prompt part. Um, it's the one that you have to put in place. Motivation, we can sort of um, work with in terms of making it doable, which also ties with ability. So those two are intrinsically linked, but the prompt part stands completely alone. And what that is, is you need something to say, now's the time to do that thing that you want to do. So it might be that you set a reminder on your phone. Um, but I think personally, what's worked for me is something more powerful, which is where I, I have a task that I already do. And then I attach the new thing to that task. And so it's just, that's the natural follow on now. Um, that I'm going to carry out this new this new task. That sounds like such an interesting idea, stacking habits, and particularly if you can attach a new thing to something that is a already a you know an absolutely tried and tested part of your routine. That feels to me like a very achievable, a tiny habit that you then stack onto something you do every day. That feels very achievable. Well, it's also what we see again when you and I have worked on um, like writing skills where they talk about, um, you know, set yourself up, have your laptop open, have you made your cup of coffee? And when we train courses on that, everyone always laughs about, oh, well, yeah, I need that cup of coffee to sit down. But actually what that cup of coffee is, is a prompt, right? I've made the coffee. I've done the ritual. I was never going to forget that because I love the coffee and the caffeine. Right? <laughs> and so that's done. And now that's done. That signals to me now is the time to write. And that's what that actually is. So it's, it's not just a cup of coffee, it's a prompt. Fantastic. Um, I'm wondering whether, uh, thinking about procrastination, whether we should be bringing this to a, um, to a <laughs> conclusion. Um, I wonder, uh, just to finish then, do you have a, a kind of a key message that you want to, um, to get across to our researchers? What do you think would help overcome some of the challenges around procrastination? Um, I think there's, I think there's a few things that we've talked about through here that I just want to remind everybody of, and then kind of a final message. So, um, one is, is look at why you are procrastinating because what that unlocks is maybe you don't have any motivation, in which case, how are you going to get motivated? Um, so for example, if you, if it's that you're fighting because you, someone's asked you to do something, but you don't want to do it, how are you going to flip that on its head and change that up so that actually you do want to do it? And that might be something as powerful as looking at your values is you don't care about this task, but what you do care about is that you're someone that delivers and, um, you have a very strong sense of value of I'm someone that when they say they're going to do something, they do it. And that's why this is important to me rather than the task itself being important to me. Um, the other one is to look at ability and to look at um, whether actually you're trying to do something that you are just not capable of, even if you're really embarrassed that you're not capable of it right now, right? Think about chopping it down. So do you need to watch an online video of how to do something better? Do you need to read a book? Do you need to ask a friend? Um, do you actually just need to make it a much, much more simple task than something complex um, that's currently overhanging? Um, and then the prompt. So um, how are you going to put that prompt in pet place? Um, is it going to be something that you bring in as a prompt, such as a, a reminder um, or a cue? Is it going to that you're going to have somebody, maybe a buddy from work who's going to contact you as your prompt to say, have you done that thing? Um, mm -hmm. Or is it going to be that you're going to habit stack it with something that you already currently do as your prompt? Um, so we've got timers, um, so setting timers, setting limits to things, making it so achievable 
that you literally cannot fail. You can't not do this thing. Make it that simple until it becomes a habit. And then we can start building up in terms of ability and in terms of um, amounts. Um, the other, just a few throwaway things that I've read about before that I've always thought were quite useful is when you're doing a task, when we procrastinate, it's often because we get distracted because there are things within our environment, such as smartphones are a perfect example. They constantly break our um, thinking because they're just so delicious with all the things that we can do with them. So maybe turning it off or putting it on silent or hiding it somewhere and then setting a time limit of when you'll be able to look at it again. Um, but um, what you can also do is whilst you're doing the task is um, maybe just have a piece of pen and paper and have a distractions list. Because as we do tasks, we do tend to think about 101 other things that we could be doing and they tend to then take our, us away from the task. So being able to just jot it down of, oh yeah, actually I need to remember to um, by whatever next time I go to the supermarket or I need to remember to reply to that email just having a distractions list by your side when you're trying to do this new task so that you can remove that from your head and know that you will deal with it later because it's not forgotten it's written down um, and then the final one which um, is sort of linked to it all is about that consistency um, there's the Seinfeld approach of don't break the chain you can look this up uh, if you google Seinfeld and don't break the chain um, and it's about it's about committing to consistency so again this sort of goes back actually to that whole motivation ability prompt thing of what you're saying to yourself is it has to be doable enough for me to do it day in day out so it does have to be small and achievable but also what I'm committing to is that I'm able to strike off every consecutive day on the um, calendar and you know you take your weekends as your weekends if you don't want to do it then that's absolutely fine same with holidays or breaks or whatever or if your children are sick those are absolutely fine to take a break from it but otherwise you're looking for consistency you're looking to be able to say yes I have consecutively done that thing until it becomes part of your identity and so then you're able to say do you know what I've written every day for this past three weeks of lockdown or whatever therefore at the moment I feel like a writer I am a writer I've committed to that thing it's consistent it has become a habit for me um or you know I've done my push-ups I now am somebody who can do a push-up rather than somebody that can't so what you eventually end up with is an identity shift built around the habits we are what we consistently do I love that we are what we consistently do that's fantastic Okay, well, let me just say thank you so much for joining us. This has been super, super helpful. I've um, learned loads and we'll put the references to the books and the resources up on the video as well. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you very much.